Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to yet another installment of the Squash Mind podcast series. So today I've got Tony Griffin on the show and we take some serious little divergent rabbit holes in this one. Um, really, really good fun to chat with Tony, uh, an ex-New Zealand pro, ex-New Zealand squash player, played in Europe for quite a bit, now has is living in Spain and doing a lot of great work with some of the coaches and players in Spain, was the Spanish national coach for a couple of years. But what's really interesting now is, is a lot of his work outside of the squash field, working with uh, disadvantaged and dis- uh, people with disabilities, uh, such as uh, cerebral palsy and some autism, and how he's using some of this amazing research and amazing work he's doing to help people with different skills and motor control, and how he's linking it back to squash, but equally so, how then squash points back to that other side that he's working on, working at you know neuro rehabilitation hospitals and 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 talking some really interesting stuff. 
So he's doing some inspiring work, really noble work, and, and he's really passionate about it. You'll, you'll see in the conversation towards the middle and end of the chat, we go down a lot of, of what he's doing outside of the squash court, and, and, and he just talks beautifully about it, puts across his passionate dedication, and yeah, just hearing him talk about it and the effect he's having on people's lives, the positive effect is amazing. We obviously talk quite a lot about squash as well and, and how we learn differently as well as the organizational processes of the body. We go down a bit of a discussion on differential learning and, and a lot of it is overlapping and aligning with, with what I'm trying to do and learning about myself and thinking about. And he's got some really cool ideas about how we start to you know, formulate habits on the squash court and certain ways of looking at things like playing that one good shot, for example, and moving on. So how we capture that and he gives us reasons and his thoughts behind that. And we just go down such a fun little route as always. So I think you'll really enjoy this podcast because there's two different fields and we bring them together and it's going to be really interesting to follow Tony's trajectory over the next few years or so because he's really a deep thinker. He's got a lot of different interests, but he brings it all together and overlaps it really nicely. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I had really good fun chatting with Tony, getting to meet him, and I'm sure we'll be doing it again sometime. So please welcome Tony Griffin. Tony Griffin, welcome to the next episode of the Squash Mind podcast series. Really, thank you very much for joining me. We've had quite a few offline chats building up to this point. Um, super excited to hear what you're doing and, and what we can lend to the listeners here. But I think a great place to start, Tony, for those that don't know you, have not come across you yet, could you give a bit of a brief description to yourself, maybe your playing days and where you're at now and some of the exciting work you're doing? Okay, well, um, in my playing days, in my previous life, um, I'm a New Zealander. I came to Europe to to wander around with a squash racket. Um, it was a great way to to travel. I played PSA, the equivalent of PSA then, um, for one season. Um, I played five tournaments. I was about sixty in the world um, with that, and then. Um, at, at that stage in the world, there were a lot of open tournaments around Europe, and um, and then I got a coaching job. So it was, so that's why I, I sort of continued playing, but yeah, within the context of the time that was there. And then after that, I was Spanish national coach for a couple of years. Um, coached um, various Spanish champions. Um, uh, national champions, junior champions. Um, and then I had a, had a family and had a break from squash. Mm -hmm. And then a few years ago, the, the Catalan Federation remembered they had this old guy uh, <laughs> floating around and they gave me a call and um, I started um, working, help, helping them out. And, and from there, I, I wrote a book about squash the G-Spot, a book about squash, um, which is something I always wanted to do. And then, and that's that's how I sort of got back into it. Nice. Amazing. And and it sounds like you're, you know, you shared with me um, all your different branches of, of activity you're doing at the moment. And it, man, I don't even know how you're affording time to chat with me. So thanks so much, man. <laughs> you sound a busy man and in high demand. So listen, let's jump right in because I think a lot of what you shared with me at the moment is, is, 
a little bit linked to squash, but really outside the field of squash. And these are the kind of conversations I love. And I mean, I want to learn and the listeners, I think, can really learn from this. So um, one of the first things, um, well, you kindly sent me a list of, of topics and fields of interest that you're working in right now. Like I said, super curious to explore. And I think we can un- unpack these. Okay, so when I mention differential learning, what can you tell us about this? Okay, Differential learning was the starting point for the work I'm doing now. So after I wrote the book, um, uh, I got introduced to a research group in the Barcelona University, Sports University, and I started. They invited me along to some some of their events, some of their activities, some of their meetings, and they gave me some of the information they were working on, um, the multiple things they're working on. I started looking at it. Um, like one of the books they gave me, it took me three reads to, to start to understand it. It was all pretty scientific and stuff, and I kept getting lost. But anyway, I started pulling out ideas, um, and and then they introduced me to Wolfgang Scholhorn. Kersun is a, a sports scientist, German sports scientist. Spanish they say catedratico. I, I'm not sure what that is in English. Um, it means high level, a superstar. Right. So, um, and he's invented and created differential learning. Um, so differential learning in a sports context, he has demonstrated and proven that repeti- of all the different training systems Mm -hmm. repetition is the least effective way to achieve change Mm -hmm. it doesn't say that it's not effective it's the least effective um and and there's a list of um four or five different training systems and his differential learning is at the top okay um if if you google differential learning there's a a graphic a graph that comes out and it shows it Mm. um and so that, and then I, um, so I met with Wolfgang two or three times and went to a couple of his conferences. Amazing. And it, yeah, and, it and goes I, against everything. Yeah. So again, I'm, this is, um, there's, there's some good um, coaching philosophies here in the UK now, which is all about a lot of the learn through play model and, and the, the reach and fail, which is, you get to a point of reaching for something and you failing and how you lean into the frustration. And that's not necessarily a repetition thing. That's a environment thing. Like, okay, is your environment challenging you enough that it's stimulating different neurochemicals in the brain to reach and fail and, 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 and try and work that out. And actually when you're repeating something, I think we all know as a squash coach and you, it's got a certain merit, but how transferable is that to the, the pressure of a match or the pressure or the variability of life in a way? So, so with the differential learning, how have you interpreted it and used it in your, in your fields, whether it's the squash field, whether it's the stuff you're working outside of squash, what comes to mind when I ask that? The first, the first challenge is to be brave enough to do less repetitions. Um, that's um, because there's an auto, well, I had an automatic um, how would you say reliance and, um, on on more is better. Mm-hmm. Okay, so and Wolfgang talks about three repetitions, which I think for squash is probably at what when I started I was pretty sure for squash that was um very um let's say very few in squash. In the case of squash, perhaps you spare squash with shot put, for example, well, there's a huge difference. <laughs> um, but um, 
but I, I slowly went down and as you go down, you become more aware of the movements, the, the quality. If you're only going to do three or four or five, yep. there, there is an added intensity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but more than the repetitions, it's what your body is doing when you do, when you change or start a new activity. Okay. So when, when you start an activity, they call it noise. Your brain activity is very um, alterated. It's like a, um, 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 a pop music sound register where it's going up and down and going like crazy. Or, or your heartbeat when, you, when, you're, when you're doing court sprints, it's going up and down. But after three or four, five repetitions, three or four repetitions, that movement starts to level out or it becomes a slow curve. And what, what they've seen is that our ability to change is when there is that, they call it noise. So when, when you're in that phase of noise, okay? okay? And then in a squash context, you say, well, okay, I'm going to do boast and drive. So you do boast and drive. And we know that once you've got going, you can start thinking about who's walking behind the court, what you're going to have for dinner, um, who you've got to see afterwards as you're doing the exercise. Mm-hmm. So that's an example of you not really being in the exercise. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So then how do we, and you and examples of, of how you've then tried to keep the noise there for the player. So, so to stimulate the noise and stimulate the growth and, and the mind and the body, but, but not for the frustration to overly kick in. So, so for a player to also see improvement. So can you think of any examples? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of a few myself about keeping the chaos, the noise in, but also walking that fine balance of showing them that there's actual growth in what they're doing. Um, it's actually surprising that, um, so what, 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 because it's not about doing less. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's about having perhaps more variety. So for example, the simple boast and drive, instead of doing it for, for example, five minutes, um, you do, um, four or five on each side and then change, mm-hmm. but you change three or four times okay 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 so, so it's, um, not about, it's not about less reps it's it's doing almost the same if more reps, but 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 changing your environment quite often is that what i'm hearing that's you part of it yeah but with, with time you start seeing that you you're looking to add more variety um but but at the beginning you'll see that and then and then interesting things appear when you compare you see you actually see changes and if you do three sets of boast and drive Sometimes you actually see changes in between mm. one to the other, mm. which which is you don't really notice when when you're just doing it in one one go. Mm. Totally, and and that completely makes sense. And so sometimes it's a hard sell to an athlete because sometimes an athlete they want to feel good, don't they? So actually, mm. just getting your reps in in that safe environment, accessing a flow state. So so there's maybe a big conversation of flow is on one side of the continuum and the noise is maybe on another side of the continuum. So how, how do you, I suppose, sell this to an athlete that wants to hone something more in the flow state rather than the noise state, if we can call it that? Um, well, it's, it's experiential in the sense that um, first um, I've had a couple, a couple of examples. Um, I, I coach Bernard Jelmer mm-hmm. uh, um, and he, at the beginning, for example, practicing nicks, 
and I'd hit the ball up and he'd do it. And after three or four, I could see that, let's say it wasn't going right. And he was getting frustrated or angry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's change sides. So that becomes the, the signal to change sides, okay? Um, and he'd say, no, no, I've got to get it right. Um, and then I'd say, no, please, just do two on the other side and we'll go back, relax. Okay. Okay. And, um, and so he'd go to the other side, we'd go back, and the first two he would slam and they wouldn't bounce. Um, and then he, he'd turn to me and say, piss off. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and... and um, and so then that kind of experience becomes common or, um, for example, um, another junior who was coaching for a while, she was one of the top European juniors for her age under 17, I think, or under 15. Anyway, I'd, I'd hit a high, a high, a high boast and she had to do a cross court drop shot, for example. Mm-hmm. And after, when I started doing it after four or five, I said, like, change sides. And she looked at me as if to say, oh, "What, what, what are you doing? Um, I haven't. I've, I've had hardly any." Okay. So we changed. I, I asked, please, begging almost, "Let's change and see what happens." Yeah. We saw after doing five, for example, series five or six on each side, we saw that the um, the one that she didn't hit quite so well or missed more often was the first one. Okay. Okay. And then she got into a groove. Okay. Mm-hmm. But the question is, which one do you need in a match? Exactly. That, that's that's the, the, the age-old question for the coaches, isn't it? <laughs> and what do you think? And, and what do you think on that then? Well, no, it, it's the first one. And so we, mm-hmm. the question is, should we be training to do that first one well, or should we be doing lots in the hope that it'll appear well? Mm. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. And then, do you do you scale this at different times? And what I mean by that, as in closer to a tournament, do you want to get an athlete feeling good about their game, or do you want to keep them in that slight challenge state? Or what, what do you think about getting a a, a, turn, a, a a pro or junior prime for a tournament? Um, what what happened? What appears to be happening is that um, when they're doing less, that they, they become better at those 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 ones. The there's a general pattern that after, um, and when, when you reduce it, you start seeing that after four or five or six, the, the quality starts going a little bit wobbly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then um, you, and, and then now I see, I ask the player, do you want to change now? Okay. Especially after they've done a good one. Interesting, right. <laughs> and, 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 they, and then they often say, yeah, I'll change now, and we'll go back to it. Um, so, so that, that it's it's very sensational learning as well, in the sense of sen- the sensation becomes um, mm. an important factor. That good feeling, mm-hmm. and this 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 work from Wolfgang and this differential learning sounds sounds brilliant. I'm going to have a little look at this after this. Um, do you try and make your players aware of this? Do you try and give them the kind of the science and the reason behind it, or do you just try and you you be the creator of that environment to make them learn. How do you go about that process of giving them the knowledge around it? Um, well, yeah, they they see um, pretty quickly um, the the how do you say the quality, the intensity seems to take a step in, in a positive direction. No? Yeah. Um, and and then for all levels, the training becomes more fun. Yeah. 
for the coach, for the player, but always maintaining that objective of, um, let's say, doing the shot right. So differential learning itself, um, they talk about the, the, the changing, and that in itself will bring um, uh, probably, probably a better level of um, evolution according to the scientists, not according to Tony, okay? Um, and, and, but what, with the process of doing less um, uh, repetitions, I st- in, in, in the sports science group, they talk a lot about chaos, yeah. okay? And so I understood chaos as out of control, nervous, um, uh, lack of structure, um, all those kind of things. So, so the first question was, um, which in itself is not the correct sports science um, uh, understanding of chaos, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in a layman's understanding, it was that. It was, it was that. So... I started thinking, well, do I really think, or do we think that um, it's possible to achieve change if we're in a state of chaos mm-hmm. and, and, or stress or without structure? So I thought, well, for me, logically, it seemed difficult. Yeah. So I started going backwards to say, okay, well, why don't we create a more structured, simple situation for them to learn to be aware of their bodies, um, so the body control, um, aware of their movements. And then from that base, go up, add add intensity, add... Complexity, intensity, chaos in inverted commas, but that chaos where it's in the sporting context where there's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of manipulated, controlled chaos, isn't it? It's the, it's the coach prompting and pulling and pushing the player into those little, little areas. And I think that leads me very nicely onto, onto the next little thing that, 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 you know, you send me and we wanted to talk about, you mentioned it a couple of times, um, the organizational process of the body. So once mm. we're getting that noise and the players hitting, what happens with that organizational process of the body? Can, can you explain that for us? There's something I've been looking at and trying to understand recently more um, because um, especially with squash, um, we don't have two situations the same almost ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so compared with um, training with a lot of repetition, um, where we where the objective is to let's say learn how to do and play that shot. People talk about it being in the groove, etc. Um, and yet, I started thinking that well, our ability to change or to organise ourselves is perhaps as important as um, the ability to do. So, if I can do the shot, but I don't have the ability to organise. Um, according to a random situation, mm-hmm. then um, I'm not as prepared, perhaps, to to, to solve that situation. Mm-hmm. Or, and so, being aware of that um, um, has helped me to 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 evolve the training by adding perhaps a little bit more 
variety combination shots yeah. combination hard so so i look been looking a lot at um fine and wide motor skills okay um and squash is um like one of the most demanding sports in the world in that context where where you can hit the ball at 95% of effort and then be required to hit it at how to say in the most precise way with the most how to subtle use yeah. of um, skills, which no other sport has in the same degree of squash. It's amazing. And yeah. so um, within our training, the question was, should we be incorporating that kind of um, change? And and so what's coming to mind there, Tony, again, a, a fellow New Zealand, I think we're all admiring at the moment, we're looking at Paul Cole, you know, what he's doing at the top end of the game. And as we're recording, he's world number one and, and no one, well, not getting close to him, but I watched him with the British Open recently and he just, he was sublime. I watched the semis and finals live at the event. And what I took from that, it's linked to, I think, what you're saying his presentation, it's a big word I'm using these days, like the way he presents himself to the ball. So, you know, the way he organizes his body, so to speak, that's what I think has got him from world number four to world number one. He's getting in such a position where he's got so many options, so much more threat on every shot. His lunge is a lot less big than it used to be. He's not diving anymore. And so what you're saying with this organizational process of the body, I think I'm seeing that in someone like Paul Cole. So what do you think when I, when I say that to you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's um, the, um, let's say the, the the starting point that we're using what and um and what what Paul appears to be doing is that you say okay what's the ideal position for hitting this shot whatever shot it is okay and so being able to do that from the ideal situation which is the way Rob works um I've seen um um, some notes from a couple of players who've, who've taken notes from who visited him, and um, and and it's that that um, focus on detail mm-hmm. and working from the ideal position of the boast, the body position, the 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 drop shot, the, the all of the shots, the the drive, um, and say, well, that's the base. From there, we always have to, we, we always are able to improvise, but that clarity of what's at the end of the path helps the body to organize to the good position. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. And with the players you're working with, and, and if you do get on court and, and, you know, coach them and, and asking them for this, you, I, I, I can imagine you won't say organizational position of the body to a squash player, but what language, what words do you use in regard to trying to get the players? Is it the feet first? Is it the, the shoulders? does anything come to mind in regard to what you're getting the players to try anchor themselves to in regard to that organizational process? Um, there's, um, there's not one specific one because what, what I've found is that you, you need to, first to be very clear about where they're, where they're going to. Okay. Um, and then it's, it's the shoulders, it's the feet, um, it's the hips, um, it, it's uh, watching the ball, um, the contact with the ball. Um, that's um, and and so it's that combination of things. And then sometimes, what I found is if you have one of those tools and you use that, the person, um, um, how would you say it? It's not as effective. It's effective once. Um, so if you have two or three tools, it's okay. Turn your shoulders. 
move your hips, watch your feet. Um, each time that person is, is adjusting um, and they all bringing this person to the same, to the same end okay, or to the same result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And then, um, so this almost goes back to the differential learning. So you saying that you also try and bring a level of variation or differential learning to the organizational process of the body. I know we're getting quite wordy here, but yeah, like you said, it, it's maybe people get so used to putting the feet in the same place. And if they are just focusing on that, it's going, okay, so you've done your feet for three or four times. Now it's more about a different place. Once, right? Right. Just once. The, um, um, I, f- I find that I, I now try and not, not use the same, instruction because if, if you ask the person to move their shoulders often the feet follow sure. um if you ask them to move their feet the shoulders follow mm-hmm. um or the hips or the um or face the side wall but um uh verbal verbal instruction um from verbal instruction we have an ability to retain about seven percent of of the way um it the way so so of, of our ability to retain is seven percent of verbal instruction mm-hmm. okay um it can increase according to the intensity the excitement the interest that the, the, the coach or the teacher adds mm-hmm. but and it, that can go up to about they say about 15 or 18 20 percent so then the question is what can I use for the rest of the, to, to fill up the, the, the other 80%, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm using 7% and it's re- repetitive, I'm, I'm probably going down. Yeah. So, and, and so what I've seen is, um, okay, you say, okay, um, someone hit, say, watch the ball. Um, and then the ball goes, well, if I say it twice, it sometimes doesn't go well, but if I say, okay, hit it so it doesn't touch the side wall, Mm-hmm. Then they do it twice. It's more effective, and so make sure it doesn't hit the side wall. They automatically are more attent. That's Spanish. Um, they're paying more attention. Yeah, they they're kind of yeah in it. So it's awesome, Tony. This is something I really like. You know, very much. Yeah, you know, well, what I think you said. You saw some notes from players who've seen Rob Owen, and and it very much looks like that. It doesn't, in simple terms. I know it sounds a bit broad, this, but it's it's not rocket science as well, isn't it? It's not like he's reinventing the game. It's not like Paul Cole's bringing something kind of crazy new. He's just doing those those basic things like way better and paying more attention to you know that organizational of the body, the the presentation that I like to call the the ability to hit three shots from the same position. And all three shots are going to be a real high quality, you know, so you can just take his pick. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, so let's let's go down a little other little rabbit hole here. And this is something when when you send this to me, I was really curious. So uh, I love habits. I love forming habits. I love trying to break habits and the neuroscience and the brains around that. Um, let's explore this topic. So you sent me something on habits. What um, what comes to mind when when I when I ask you about habits? Yeah, it's um, one of the one of the biggest frustrations of players and coaches. Um, the um, the difficulty in change um, to, to achieve change, you know, and it comes from habits. Um, we create habits, um, and so what I'm seeing is that if we, the more factors we add to the, um, how do you say, starting from working without chaos, 
Um, having players being aware of watching the ball very closely, moment of impact and the line of the ball, um, and then doing this the small number of repetitions, we see that the player often has a, a good feeling of hitting the ball, okay? But they're only capable of doing it once or twice, but normally only once. And so that they'll do two or three. And, and then I, I saw that, um, okay, they would hit a really good one. And I would say, okay, hit another one. And I saw that the next one almost invariably was a fail or not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started stopping at that moment and going somewhere else and going back. And so I saw that um, the sensation, the good sensation that they had became clearer. It didn't get lost between all of the, I do 10, 20, 30 repetitions and when you finish you say oh in there somewhere was a good one um the good repetition the good sensation was there after the third one or the fourth one and we changed right so so at that moment are you are you trying to then i suppose capture and bottle that good sensation in a way and and i i'm not sure if there's a link here but i've recently been reading something called the dopamine nation it's a real good book about dopamine in our bodies and our brains it sounds like you're almost going hey that little little spike of dopamine has been released hopefully that the players hit that shot they've they've succeeded in what they're doing and what i'm hearing you saying you're trying to bottle that am i close to that or what do you think yeah, that's that's um that's um that's probably what I'm doing. Oh, <laughs> um, the the dopamine um, idea. Someone was talking to me about it recently about how it's related to um, happiness, good feelings, good sensations, um, and and so it's very related to Parkinson's as well. Apparently, the lack of it. Um, like, yeah, it's in dopamine. Is, it's 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 this pleasure pain molecule. They actually say it actually works on extreme continuums. It's really obviously it's very much we associate with pleasure, but there's a flip side of it and the flip side of the coin and stuff with the addiction. And actually, interesting at Parkinson's, I, I've just read the bit in that book about it. I haven't got into it deep yet, but yeah, interesting timing with this. And yeah, it's amazing what they're getting to know with the brains and brain scanning and the chemicals that are getting released and how as coaches and actually human beings for ourselves we can we can start to um you know help our brains and, and and get stronger and better at it um so let's stay with habits for a little bit longer um any and you can you can use squash as your lens you could zoom out tony to anything just in your personal life or or, or players what else what else are you working on in regard to habits it, does anything pop to mind do you have your own personal habits that you do in the mornings and the evenings i'm a bit obsessed with habits by the way i've got like my process in the mornings my my wind down ones so i'm just asking as a curious question here I'm probably the, um, I'm, I'm not so good at habits, which is probably, <laughs> um, but I'm learning slowly to become more, um, how to say, working away with, with, with squash, I, I was very structured. Um, and, and then with the, with the training, I was very structured, but outside that, um, um, which is my lack of habits has probably helped me to, to open doors. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's another side of the conversation, isn't it? It's like you, you don't want to pay. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Change yourself into too much of a rigid box in a way, and you know you could be a bit more free flowing and and things in your periphery that catch your attention. You can go in that direction. It sounds sounds about right with all all of these branches that you got going on. So what when, with the habits? Um, it's I started seeing as well because I started working with um, with a. Because of because of this work, the the players and I was being I was surprised by the speed of the way people were changing. So basically, and um, an example, um, Chavi, um, he he's one of the first coaches here who started working in this way, and and so the actual process of coaches going through what I went through, even though they had like they got a clear starting point, is very. Um, interesting as well. In, in general, there's that insecurity of oh, if I'm doing less repetitions, I'm not doing my job properly. Absolutely. Okay, so he started. Um, he started using it, and I said to him after he'd been going for a couple of months, and 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 I said to him, "Well, look, I'm seeing that people are changing clearly in eight weeks," mm-hmm. and he he said piss off they're changing in four weeks <laughs> and and that's what I was seeing but I was too scared to say yeah, that yeah yeah <laughs> um, and so um and that's basically the pattern that we're seeing with um with 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 this way of working um amazing, amazing. And, and then the so so the habits I started seeing so after that I started um seeing well I'll, I'll test the ideas on on in situations that are more difficult so i found um four or five youngsters with different conditions one dyspraxia which is a neuro condition um and which is related to their um, motor skills Mm -hmm. um uh, cerebral palsy um and a couple of other um different how to say coordination issues that could be related to other conditions. Okay, well, we'll go into detail. Um, but working this way, I've, we started seeing that they started changing in a way or at a speed that was almost therapeutic. Right. Um, right. Um, and then I started with my my own son uh, Liam, who has um, who has a slight cerebral palsy, a lateral cerebral palsy. When he was about sixteen, okay, and he started changing, doing more changes mm-hmm. than in that time when we started than he had done with all the therapies before that. So, it, so I had um, uh, in-house um, references 
And, and, and let's just clarify this because I think this is definitely a, a little rabbit hole I want to go down with you. Um, and, and thank you for sharing some personal stuff. I, I can imagine that's pretty difficult. And, and, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, that, that Liam has, has a slight bit of cerebral palsy, but it sounds like you, he's in the right place for it. Well, so, there's an article. I wrote an article about him in Squash Man. Okay, great. I'll, I'll try reference that. I'll, I'll find that and put it maybe on, on the show notes. Um, so when you say you're seeing the change, just to confirm, we're not talking about on the squash court here now. We're talking about off the squash court, right? Both, yeah. Both. Yeah. So, so have you got some people with dyspraxia and cerebral palsy playing squash? Is that, is that what you're doing yeah. at the moment? Yeah, yeah. awesome. No, so they were already playing squash. So I was I fortunate enough to have them in the, in the squash context. And so I was able to say, okay, do you want to try something different? Um, but sorry, going back to the habits you talked about, so what, what I started seeing was that the habit, some of the habits that they had learned or created from their, in their experience of squash was based on their insecurities or fears. So there were movements that were, you could see fear in the movement. You could see the um, doubt. You could see the, um, and, and so you could see that that was, um, so in their learning process, because they worked in a different way, mm-hmm. they weren't as comfortable. So they improvised. They um, they had to find solutions, which which involved like a movement that you could see. They shook a little bit more. There was hesitation through the movement. There was perhaps a little bit of um, how would you say a broken movement, which because of their way of working, you'd see it was more related to insecurities or fears than the other thing. So then I was able to take that back to, let's say, squash players who don't have those kind of conditions. And I started seeing the same reality in in a lot of the way things we do on the court. Sure. That's deep, man. That's really deep. I'm loving that. And maybe this is really linked, but you shared with me that there's some studies as to why squash is so special. You might've mentioned them from the Neurolab hospital. Um, can you can you shed some light on this? I know before we started recording, you said there's quite an interesting study you're part of, and it's just coming to an end. But can we go down that rabbit hole? So linking kind of the outside world to squash, and we wouldn't have to even have to bring it back to squash if if there's some stuff we want to talk about what you're doing in your other line of work. I think that'll be really interesting. So we um, so what so so I did a um, I did a um, I got selected to to make a presentation in a Congress. It was um, the World Congress for Sport, Physical Education and Scenic Arts as a as tools for change in, in the world. Wow. And so after I did the presentation in that in, in that Congress, it was only short, um, but um, the um, it sort of pushed pushed me pushed us on to 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 be able to look for look for ways to try and quantify or measure or whatever the possibilities and and so um we approached uh, the the one of the main neuro rehabilitation hospitals in catalonia or in spain really and um which is a goodman institute and we set up a a course for where they were going to send some of their patients to, to work with this way of working on squash court. Um, because I already, because of the experience we already had, 
um, we can see that it could be positive. My, the idea was to perhaps get it validated by the experience by the by the hospital um, or by their their therapeutics area. And um, and three days before the the pandemic, um, we were supposed to start, and it got cut. Oh, <laughs> um, so that was um, uh, frustrating at the time. Mm-hmm. But because of that, um, we went, I started by chance, met up with a family who had, um, who, who was squash playing family from my previous life. And their son had a motorbike accident 20 years yeah. ago. Okay. And he's been in, in, a, in a wheelchair ever since with a, um, a, a neuro or brain head injury, um, lateral paralysis, severe, um, and ataxia, which has been shaking with, with his other side and various, various conditions. Mm-hmm. And so I talked with them to say, well, we're doing this work and people are changing and stuff. Do you want to try it? And we could probably try and apply it to the rocks. Now, the rocks are devices that are, work with lights. Paul uses them. Yeah. Okay. And um, it's for the listeners spelled R-O-X, right? Yeah, rocks. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So these devices that work for an, for an app, we started looking at different ways to coordinate his movement with his hand and, and touching the, the different um, rocks. Mm-hmm. And and applying the same idea, taking into account his movement, the way he uses his eyes, um, and after about a month, we, again we started seeing changes in his movement. His shaking started to change, less less shaking. His precision started changing. There's someone who hasn't changed for twenty years um, um, and has basically got sent home after four or five years saying we've done all we can and um so his his family his father his his family have been amazing with was helping him and they do swimming every weekend and and everything so he was in the best condition he could have been um because of the his father his his family heroes like all the work that they're doing with him Mm. but we saw that after four weeks, he started changing. And um, and so then Patricia, who is um, a physio and had been following and, and doing, doing the, the, the work that I've been doing with squash, um, I, I talked with her about um, what, I, what we were doing with Victor. And um, and fortunately, she's um, she'd done a master's in neuro rehabilitation, um, so she she knew exactly what was going on, and so she started following and seeing. I started sharing some videos with her, and she started becoming, let's say, surprised at the way um, Victor was changing what we we're seeing. And then she came on board completely and Brilliant. started participating in the sessions because we were doing them online. Okay. And, um, and, and so she started giving the, the work, the exercise, let's say a therapeutic um, structure. Mm-hmm. And then she started uh, trying it with some of her own patients. Mm-hmm. And then I was online w- watching um, and participating, let's say, 
And we started seeing the same with people who were, who were, let's say, stable. They use the word stable. Okay. Um, um, uh, started changing and, and doing things that they hadn't done before. And so we were hunting around for people to, to, to try it out with, even like wanting to stop people on the street and things like that because we couldn't find people at the beginning. Yeah. Um, because it was, and then, and so Patricia got a few more, um, working with a few more people, and then we saw that it, the same pattern was um, appearing. And then in last year, just over a year ago, we started in, in two centres, one um, a center, a, a residential centre for people with um, high-level disabilities um, uh, of, of all ages, um, and intellectual and physical. And and we also started a special education school um, with a different person, people who we knew and that were interested in. And so we started off with them, and it's been a nonstop learning process ever since. Um, the some real cases. Um, a, a, a girl, Claudia, she's one of one of our multiple superstars. Um, she has cerebral palsy. Um, high, high level of cerebral palsy, had trouble working her own um, electric wheelchair um, with precision. Um, After six or seven weeks, she was able to open the clip on her harness for the first time in her life. She's 18. Um, Her ability to use her wheelchair, she went past her her mate, who she wasn't as good as, um, with the wheelchair and she, her ability to use the wheelchair went past her. Now she's um, now she's starting to use the app on a tablet herself. Um, she wow. couldn't use an app. She didn't have the precision to use the app before mm-hmm. um, or, or, or a tablet. Mm-hmm. And so um, another thing, um, and another Another guy just just a couple of months ago um, with lateral um, paralysis, cerebral palsy, um, his mother came um, to the centre and said he started to use his um, his left hand spontaneously at home. He's never done that before, even though it's been it's been limited the movement, but he's never done it before um, with autism. Um, we're having um, surprising um, results as well. Um, it's a completely different field. So Arancha, who works with this, um, is, is is also amazing. Um, and she, so example one 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 young guy, seventeen eighteen, has had a huge meltdown, um, and ended up in the, in the center and um, he wasn't able to, he's not able to use the program on the computer. That's a program they use to on the computer adapted to people with special needs. And, all, and um, he wasn't capable of using starting to use it. And then after a session with the rocks and, and with the, we call it physio cognitive integration, he start, he could sit down and use it for five minutes. Um, there are a couple of other things. The um, a couple of the kids, or two, three, or four of them, um, with um, high level of autism. Um, um, after doing a small session with the rocks, with these special type of 
exercises, um, they do about 15 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. Um, they're, we're starting to see that they're going back into class and sitting down and doing the task that they're, that, that they, that they're supposed to be doing, uh, which they don't do normally. Um, so they sit down and they'll sit down for 15 or 20 minutes and do, do a specific task. And so, yeah, it's um, the Arancha, the teacher said um, that uh, um, somehow through this process, they appear to be or dragged back in, in, into this world um, for a short time. Yeah. Um, and, and so they're seeing these, these and with these, with these people, these small changes are so significant. And I think in the, in the other world, our, our world, we sometimes don't appreciate these changes as much. Wow, Tony, I literally just sat there for 10 minutes, listened to your passion, uh, the noble work you're doing. Uh, you, can, you can see you're ridiculously dedicated. You're at the cutting edge of some really, really amazing stuff. And it sounds like it's quite humbling to do it as well. Like you said, like, you know, we can take for granted, you know, just pick up a pen and writing things down. And, you know, and actually it might get you to reflect on your life and going, wow, okay, I've got all my cognitive and, and physical functions working really well. And, and um, yeah, listen, just, just, just hearing you say that, Tony, is brilliant. And anyone listening, it's, it's, this sounds like an amazing, amazing thing you're doing. And I love that there's that little crossover with squash as well the rocks and paul cole use them and you know you're getting them using these things um so so let me try maybe connect a little bit of a link there so all of this amazing work you're doing in these in these fields helping people changing people's lives what have you tried to borrow or 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 lend towards squash like how have you kind of tried to overlap those two fields a little bit It, it works in both directions um so it's it's um it's surprising that um, well, these, how do you say, these changes that are so significant with with these people, you start to appreciate the changes on the other side, and and yeah. then the um, you see the we're working on something at the moment about our ability to um, how do you say, be in the present, um, and and that's what um, or be engaged. The, the scientists don't like the concept of um, present because it's uh, <laughs> it's a little bit happy, let's say. But, mystical, isn't it? And by the way, I'm I'm super into this, so you you don't have to kind of convert to me mindfulness uh, moments. I think for squash, it's it's one of the key things. Like if you can become present and mindful, even if the thing you're doing is not working, the fact if you can anchor yourself there, I think is huge. But sorry, please carry on. No, no, it, it, it's exactly it. And so, and it, it was actually Wolfgang who who talked to me and showed me a simple exercise as a demonstration of how much more efficient we are in the present, but he, he, he doesn't use that ever in class or in his writings. Okay. But, um, so can't, can't you share that with us? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I, I can share it too, but I need a physical presence to show it properly. Okay. Um, um, so it, it's, um, but it's an example of how basically if we're working properly in the, in the present where we're, let's say, 20, 25% stronger or more efficient. Um, Amazing. There's, um, a, there's, there's a huge concept. I, I talk a lot about the concept of deep work, a, a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work, where he, he's basically saying the ability to focus and work deeply is one of the most undervalued and underused resources in the modern world because of the distractions and everything taking us away from this moment. 
And he says, if you can hone that ability and use that part of your brain to focus for an hour and 90 minutes in deep work, your efficiency levels, I don't know the, the numbers, but it sounds about right, 20, 25%. And it's all about being in that moment where all your distractions are off, you know, whatever task you're engaged in, you're not changing your attention to all these different things. And, and yeah, very much in the moment, but like using it for a work context as well, which I thought was quite interesting. No, it's exactly that. Um, what I see with that kind of thing is that you talked about 90 minutes. Okay. So um, for me, for someone who's untrained, 90 minutes is an eternity. Okay. Um, um, and what happens sometimes with these kind of things is that even yoga, they talk about um, these kind of things. Um, um, okay. You've got to do this amount of time, this amount of time. And, and it seems like in, in an eternity that can be torture for some people. Um, so by the way, the 90 minutes is something that he says, that's like your peak. Like he says, build up to that. He goes, you know what? Eight minutes, nine minutes, start with something that's manageable in the chunk. 90 minutes. He basically says that the brain, once you hit 90 minutes, your ability to retain that knowledge and information completely drops off. You need to do a different protocol, like a non-sleep deep rest, a bit of mindfulness practice, whatever it may be. But um, yeah, I get the point that, you know, I'd never recommend to anyone jumping for 90 minutes of deep work. It's, it's all about scaling it up. Exactly. And it, but even, um, um like it's like i'm seeing it's like a fitness okay mm. and so we would never um for example i use a, a, a metaphor to say okay well if we're doing circuit training of say 100 meter series um if if um if i ask you to do one series then two series and after the third series you're going so well that um, I think I don't want him to lose that ability, that speed, that structure, that form. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him not to stop ever. Okay. <laughs> what happens? You explode yeah. and then you start believing that you can't do it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, so it's about, um, but if you keep going, keep going, you can build that up, your ability yeah. up. Yeah. So, so that I'm hearing something we talked about earlier that when the player hits that one good shot, let's bottle that it's kind of i'm hearing you say the same thing and and i think i subscribe to it you know if you do your deep work your mindfulness your moments when you get to that point that's arguably the peak and and right there yep you know what you do you just stop at that moment which is it which is really cool to think about so so yeah the question is is that um so there is always the challenge to say, well, can I do two? Can I do three? Can I do four? And you, and you have to accept that challenge and yeah. you have to test that challenge. Yeah. But when it doesn't start going right, mm-hmm. do you keep going or do you keep going down or do you say, I change and I'll go back? And that, yeah. that's where... Um, and that's and that's that's such a tight rope. Maybe you as a player, as a person, need to work on as a coach. Just that that understanding of, you know, know thine self a little bit more. Like where you can get to know yourself really well in that context, I think. It's the same for all levels now. I say you see it in all levels, and you say, okay, and like the quality is um, different for someone who's 50 in the world, or um, like I, it's the same honor, honor I coach, um, and she's um, she's the top, one of the top under 17s in Europe, um, girls, and um, it's the same with her, and, and she's, she's a, a great example of very happy to change, very happy to stay with the good feeling. Right. And and we go, okay, we'll change now. And she, sometimes she do one or two and say, no, stop, let's go. 
<laughs> Brilliant. I love that. And that's why, well, again, you, you're capturing the essence of the joy, the fun, the success. And like anything, Tony, you know, you, re- you repeat, and I know we talked about repeating that, but you repeat that habit of, of the feel good factor. Mm-hmm. You know what? It, and you've heard that expression winning is a habit is, is joy a habit is happiness a habit is success in that thing you're doing a habit probably is, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. It, it's, um, but it's a habit we, and we, we can build and we can create that habit. Um, it's part of um another metaphor that I use sometimes is that um related to differential learning is um when all and this is related to body memory muscle memory um so when 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 I did the conference um and at that time um uh, another one someone from the research group was they were talking about cell memory and muscle memory and how things get stored in us. And, and they talk about everything we do gets stored in summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the conference, I was in the speakers area, the, the star of the conference, was a guy called Richard Bailey, who, who was doing two or three of the long presentations, um, sort of, uh, a renowned sports scientist and because I was one of the few people speaking English there and um, we started talking so I, I was excited about this concept of cell memory and muscle memory and so I was talking saying this is what we're working on or looking at and he said to me get off the grass it doesn't exist um it's in your head everything's in your brain everything's up there and so I said well I don't really care you you as long as you agree with the, the cell muscle memory people that it's stored, I, I'll go with it. I don't care where, no, <laughs> but if you all agree that it's there, I'll, yeah. I'll work with that. Um, and so then I started thinking, well, everything we're doing, and if you do a lot of repetitions and they all go into the, the box of solutions for that situation and you're, running around a squash court like crazy and that situation appears and you open that box and you look in there and say, Oh, where's the good one? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got to take one out quickly and you take the first one out. It could be the good one or it could be some of the average ones. Um, let's say. Um, That's a brilliant metaphor. I love that. That's really cool. Whereas if you go into that box and what you've put into that box is less and perhaps they're a little bit better quality. Yeah. When you take it out, when you open that box, you say, oh, there it is. I want that one. Brilliant. Well, it's, it sounds very well, computer analogy. Like it's your, your process is going to be much quicker. There's no, there's not lots of programs running and you're going to pretty much choose one of the three good programs rather than the 25 good and bad programs in there. So that's a brilliant analogy. I love that. Or metaphor. I don't quite know if it's an analogy or metaphor, but um, uh, listen, Tony, you've been an absolute superstar with your time, by the way. I know you're such a busy man. Thank you so much for doing this, but I think maybe in, in maybe a little bit of any of the remaining time we have, is there maybe anything you think we might not have covered or chatted about that you might want to share with the listeners that may be of use and interest in them? They might not be, but I want to give you the opportunity. Um, or oh, there's, there's, we've touched on so many things lightly that, and there's so many more, um, mm. that we're working on. And, and it's, um, um, no, just like, um, within this, this work that, that I'm doing, we're doing, because now there's about, um, <coughs> excuse me, there's about 15 coaches around Spain who are, who are working in with, with these ideas, Mm-hmm. Um, and and in this way, and the 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 
the wonderful thing, the fun thing about it is as they work with it, they all become contributors to um, this. It's like having a it's an alternative set of rules which you're working by. And then because they're not conditioned by, let's say, the, let's say their traditions and, and they're sort of, each one is learning in their own way. Mm-hmm. They're all coming up with um, new exercises because we have a whole series of exercises that are a little bit out of the box, let's say, to, to what we do normally with the, um, with the normal normal training um processes let's say and so they're all coming up often coming up with oh look what i've done look what i've seen look what i've done and 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 so it's um it's it's a wonderful thing so that they're all contributing to to making it richer and to making it making it go better and then and, and, and just those those other voices, because not everyone's going to know all the knowledge, but, but just having the coaches be confident enough or giving them the license to contribute the different exercise. And it's just adding to the, to the I suppose, the quality of what you're doing in, in Catalonia and Spanish squash in particular. So that sounds really positive, man. The, each, each new person that comes along is an opportunity to learn. Um, and that's what... Um, what we're doing, whether the juniors and the juniors is the junior learning process is a whole a whole thing that is um needs to be looked at as well in general. Mm-hmm. But um yeah and, and it's sort of I, I understand better now things why things worked, things I wrote about in the book. Mm-hmm. Um I understand better why I knew they worked, mm-hmm. but now I understand better why. And then um I appreciate even more squash in the sense that it's um, it's I think it's uncomparable with any other sport in in the sense, but not we get stuck in a um, in a let's say a mindset of comparing the physical side or using the physical side as a intent, trying to make it a, use that as a differential factor, which it is. It's an intensity. There's no doubt about it, and it's scientifically proven, etc. But it's a simple argument that um, you can, all sports at a high level need a high level of um, physical thing. But squash is different and unique, etc. But what it what it does have is it's a unique um, how do you say demand requirement for for this physio physical cognitive yeah. um, uh, how do you say challenges let's say so if you the 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 boast is an example where um you ask you put the ball into the back corner and you you will go to the back corner and you can say okay i'm going to hit the ball to the neck and you will hit the ball to the neck Mm -hmm. okay um you ask a physician a a physical physics Mm -hmm. professor to make the calculation of the the speed of the ball that's going into there, and the calculation of of that the the line of the ball where it's got to hit on on, on a wall to another wall to, to go in a very very specific space, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it take them a week to do that. But mm-hmm. then another ball will go to the corner and it will be different, yeah. and our body automatically makes those calculations mm. and puts the ball to that space. Okay, so if, if, if you hit a ball up in the air and I can hit it into the neck, um, don't ask me how the hell it got to the neck. 
okay? I will watch the ball and have trained and had years of hitting the squash ball. It will go to the neck often, Yeah. okay? But don't ask me how or why or what. Yeah. Our, our body organizes and, and has that ability to do that. Mm, 100%. And that's why it's a real beautiful kind of place to start to maybe leave this but yeah i completely get what you're saying there it's that it's the subconscious brain is taking up the heavy lifting all that that you know the the environment you've seen over those years and years of doing it it just produces at the end so tony i don't think i want to play you anytime soon it sounds like you got you got that nick kind of sorted out there man (laughs) i'm still working on it i i've got an okay long drop from the back but that's about it right now (laughs) um but listen tony you've been an absolute superstar thank you so much for your time today you're doing some really noble sterling work out there like i said changing lives you know really impacting people in positive positive ways off the court and then equally so how you bring that onto the court so it sounds like Catalina Spanish squash the coaches you're influencing and 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 mentoring and tutoring are in really good hands and listen I think we'd definitely like to do this again at some point there sounds like a whole bunch of other rabbit holes we can go down um but listen Tony Griffin thank you so much thank you it's been a pleasure and um yeah I'm very happy to share share this process this path that we're on Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.